Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about taking care of your mental health during a job search transition. Listen, mental health is such an important issue because if we're being honest, the job search is tough. As a major transition, it can be one of the most stressful parts of life and too many people are putting the focus on landing that next dream job and not enough focus on themselves. The result is often that we end up with more stress and the job search can be prolonged, even delaying our long-term career happiness. Let's turn that around today by bringing the topic of well-being and mental health to the spotlight. My amazing guest today is Kyle Elliott, the founder and career coach behind CaffeinatedKyle.com. As a result of working with Kyle, senior managers and executives have landed jobs at Facebook, LinkedIn, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and nearly every other Fortune 100 or 500 company you can think of. They also have found happiness. With over a quarter million followers on LinkedIn, Kyle was awarded as a top job search expert to follow on that platform. As a trusted career expert, Kyle's words have been featured on Forbes, Fast Company, The Muse, and The Ladders, among dozens of other leading publications. He is also an official member of the invitation-only Forbes Coaches Council. He's a member of the Gay Coaches Alliance and a certified health education specialist. And before we get into today's show, I just wanted to tell those of you out there that we at Let's See Grandma are a constantly growing team, and we are always looking to hire the best talent, including our all-star team of resume writers. If you love to simplify complex ideas, transform information into persuasive writing, and tell authentic and compelling stories, you're the kind of person that we're looking for. We aim to help people improve their lives, and if that resonates with you, we want you on our team. So if that is you, if you want to be a resume writer or a part of our team, head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash careers, and you can see what we're hiring for right now. I know it's namely resume writing, so make sure to check that out if that's you. All right, without further ado, here's Kyle Elliott on how to take care of your well-being during a major period of transition. Let's launch right into it with our 237th episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am extremely excited to get into this topic and one that we haven't covered in, I think, over 100 episodes and probably haven't covered in this much detail However, I was just reflecting on some of the most important needs for job seekers, and I don't think mental health even begins to scratch the surface in terms of what people are doing to take care of themselves. So I want to prime people for really what's to come here and tell people why this is such an important area of focus. And I know you, Kyle, you've been a huge advocate for mental health, even sharing your own perspective on social media and at websites such as the Stability Network. So if you do feel comfortable, I would love it if you can share a few opening thoughts as to why this is such an important issue for you. Yes. So mental health impacts every single human on earth. And I think that's really important to remember, whether you live with a mental health challenge or not, mental health influences us all. And when we're struggling with our mental health or having a challenging time with our mental health, that impacts us in every aspect of our lives, including the job search, which is one of the most stressful transitions, as you mentioned, that you can go through in life. 
there's job loss, there's divorce and death, the three most stressful events that can happen in your life. So clients come to me and say, Kyle, I'm really stressed. And then they're just trying to go ahead on the job search and not address that stress. And then if they have mental health challenges on top of that, it's even more stressful. So I'm so glad we're talking about this because there's a lot of podcasts yeah. out there and a lot of resources that talk about the job search, but then neglect mental health is such a big component because you can go land interviews, but then if you go in there feeling deflated, depressed, defeated, then what? You're not going to show up as your fabulous self. So I'm so excited we're talking about this important topic. Me too. And I think if I can convince the people who are not necessarily struggling with anything. So we want to, of course, take care of the people who may feel like they are going through that stress and anxiety that comes with the job search, but also convince the people who may not be feeling that just yet or who may never feel it, that it is good to take care of ourselves and to be proactive because this is something that is just so all-encompassing. Why do job seekers in transition especially need to be taking care of their mental health and being proactive? Why is this such an important issue. And if you can cover some of those emotions that we do go through during this tough period of time. Yeah. So the jobs are stressful. As I mentioned, the top three most traumatic events you can go through in life are death, divorce, or job loss. So it's already stressful to go through a job search. We're in a global pandemic. So if it wasn't already stressful enough, we're then navigating a global health crisis where there's a lot of miscommunication, misinformation. Yes. There's a lot of stress about, will I have a job? If I land a job, will I still have it in six months? What will it look like? So there's all this uncertainty and stress people are feeling throughout the job search. And then even once they land jobs. So I really want job seekers to not be as hard on themselves. I find a lot of people, they end up spending eight, 10, 12 hours per day job searching yeah. and then burning themselves out. And then when they finally reach out to me, they're like, Kyle, I am exhausted. And then we reflect and realize there's been no self-care and no realization of the trauma of that job loss of the pandemic. So taking a step back and saying, how am I caring for myself and not just the job search strategy for them? So there's really two actions I would encourage people to take today, which is one, to just be more compassionate toward yourself because we are navigating job searches during a global pandemic and you can't expect yourself to be operating at 100% all the time or it's a recipe for disaster. I have a number of clients who are athletes and I say, just work every day at 100%. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. That's how you get muscle fatigue. That's how you hurt yourself. So seeing a kind of amount of out can I do every day is at 25% today, 50% tomorrow. Maybe I'll shoot for 90% today so you don't get burned out. And yeah. then the second action I would encourage people to take is really to be strategic and intentional with their job search and have a plan. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that as well today, which I'm excited about because it's not just putting a bunch of hours in, but it's being strategic and intentional. Just like when you work out, not just working out to work out, but being intentional and having a plan. Having a purpose for it. Absolutely. I can really get behind everything you said, and especially about the putting more than 100% into everything that we're doing, it tends to take a toll. And of course, we are expected to undergo stress at every, you know, every single person's life is going to have stress. But in my own experience, it's when that stress happens for an extended period of time, and then happens again, that's when we start to run into trouble time where we just are starting to see some of those negative effects um, come from, you know, stress and anxiety and things like that. So it's really enlightening to hear, you know, some of the things that I know we're about to cover here and for 
mental health and well-being. So I want to unpack a little bit about what you said about not spending so much time within the job search. What do you mean by that? So a lot of job seekers end up spending six, eight, 10, 12 hours per day on their job search. They say, this is my full-time job. Everywhere they look, they say your job search is the full-time job. You should be spending all your time there. And I disagree. And some job seeker experts or career coaches get upset by say, okay, maybe spend two hours a day on your job search and then spend the rest of your day on self-care, self-love, taking care of yourself, going outside, whatever refuels you. And the reason why is I'd rather people spend two really good hours where they're putting in really great effort than eight hours where they're just kind of procrastinating, kind of trying to do things, kind of not, not being intentional. I want two really good hours from you. And then the rest of the time you can go do your life because that's just a recipe for burnout. If you spend all day, every day job searching and doing nothing else. And as we mentioned earlier, we don't want you to get into that interview and then show up burned out and deflated, defeated, depressed. And then with this, it's really important to ask for help along the way. You don't have to be an expert at this job search. So if you're like, oh my God, Kyle, I'm listening to this. I am spending eight hours a day because I just don't know where to spend my time or I'm doing everything for right. like customizing my resume and networking and it's not working. It's okay to ask for help. You don't have to be an expert at the job search. A lot of people only look for a job two or four or six or eight times in their lifetime. So it's okay not to be an expert in this and you can ask for help. I like that. Take some of the pressure off that I know a lot of us are feeling. I felt a lot of this in my own job searches and even in my own company, you know, looking to improve things. But I want to go back to the two hours thing, because I think that there is some really good gold there. I have also believed in efficiency and really pushed for that myself and not wasting time. But how do I schedule this two hours? Does it matter what time of day or what time of week that I should be working on my job search? I encourage you to find what time works for you. Everyone is different. And especially when it comes to mental health, some people are more productive in the morning. Some people need them in the afternoon. Some people like Mm -hmm. breaking it up. So a lot of my clients like doing 20 minute chunks. And that's how I plan my day. It's kind of a modified Pomodoro technique. I say, okay, let me do 20 minutes take a five minute break, 20 minutes, take a five minute break. And a lot of my clients like doing that. Love Pomodoro. Yeah, me too. And then I love setting KPIs or key performance indicators with my clients because it's really big in tech, which is my expertise. So a lot of clients are like, okay, I need numbers, Kyle, like what numbers should I be going for? And I encourage people submit one or two good job applications every day. And then for each application, reach out to five or 10 people in a similar role at that company. So if you want to be a product manager at Facebook and you apply to be a product manager at Facebook, submit that application, then go reach out to five or 10 product managers at Facebook. And people are like, but Kyle, I should be reaching out to recruiters or decision makers. But the thing is, everyone's following that advice. So my advice is a bit different by reaching out to people in the same role as your target role. One, you have more similarities with them. So you can share best practices and add value. And then two, if it goes well, they can introduce you to the recruiter who hired them. They can introduce you to their hiring manager. So I'm a huge fan of spending your time there. Send an application, reach out to five or 10 people. And if you're feeling up for it, repeat it once more and then be done for the day. That quickly adds up to 10 applications a week. It quickly adds up and you're spending your time strategically and intentionally. That makes so much sense. And I'm even imagining the person. So let's say like I am already a senior manager at X company and I'm already working so many hours. I'm stressed out. And then I have this job search on top. From the way you paint this picture, it sounds like I'd still be able to work the job search consistently into my schedule. 
Yes, exactly. Most of my clients, at least 95, 96, 97% are employed. So even if you're employed, you can weave this into your day, find a 20 minute chunk during your lunch break or in the morning, or a lot of my clients have kids. So at night, once you put them to bed and say, okay, I'm going to apply to a job, reach out to five people. And even if it doesn't happen every day, if you do that once a week, you're quickly um, strategically intentionally planting seeds at your target companies by them having your application and the applicant tracking system. And then you're building relationships with people at those target companies and just spending your time so much more efficiently than sending out a bunch of random applications and then just hoping that something works out. That makes a lot of sense. So turning over to self-care tips and best practices, this doesn't even have to be job search related. I just wanted to hear if you had any favorites or things that you tend to gravitate towards when it comes to taking care of yourself mentally. Yeah. So for anyone who follows me on LinkedIn or Instagram or as part of my newsletter, I'm a huge fan of No Work Saturday. So probably beginning of last year, my partner and I, we both work, we're both in school. He's doing a master of public administration. I'm doing a doctor of education. So on Saturdays, we do no work and no school. And it's super helpful to just have a day to disconnect and do nothing work related, not email, no meetings, no writing, nothing. So we'll go to Disneyland where magic key holders, which is kind of their revamped annual pass holder program. Oh, cool. We moved to Santa Barbara last year. So we'll go to Los Angeles or Joshua Tree. And the key is just to take time away from work. And if you're job searching this no work, Saturday would be no job search stuff, no, no job searching, okay. anything like that, nothing related to the work because you want to just have time to disconnect and allow your brain to just refresh from everything going on. Okay. And let's say I'm stressed during the week. We all know about hump days, Wednesdays, where things tend to pile up. What do you recommend that we do during the week when the hours are just really stacking up? I encourage you to take time away. A lot of people will try and power through it. And I find Finding some energizing activities and making a list of them can be really powerful. I have my own list. So during the week when I feel deflated, instead of me just trying to push through work, I say, okay, what from my list can I do? It could be take a walk around our apartment complex, go grab a cup of coffee, text my parents, call my mom or one of my nanas, go through that list of stuff that fuels you. Watch Judge Judy. I love Judge Judy. So go through your list and say, okay, what can I do on here that fuels me and recognize that fueling yourself in the long run is going to support your job search and you showing up fabulously during interviews. So it's not that you're procrastinating your job search or putting off, but it's actually benefiting your job yeah. search by taking a little time to refuel rather than sitting there and trying to force yourself to finish it for hours yeah. and hours. Asking yourself what fuels you. I think that is just mm -hmm. so powerful. And for me, I'd be even thinking about when I want to do that. And just there is this resistance, if I'm being honest with myself about like, okay, I need to take a break. Like, no, I don't. Because if I do take a break, then I'm not going to get these emails done. I'm not going to get, you know, such and such initiative or project done or whatever. But the ironic thing is when you do take time away for yourself, you end up buying it back in a weird way just by being just so much more effective mm -hmm. when you do come back. So exactly. Let's just remind people right now, like do it, take the time for yourself, even if it feels off or feels wrong. Exactly. And I find where my clients do that and then they come back, they're so much more refreshed and they're able to focus so much more. And yeah. the same with myself. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have time to go grab a coffee. I'm like, if I don't have time to go grab a coffee, I have too much on my list. I need to take some away mm -hmm. because when I come back, I'm going to be so much more refreshed and energized and able to tackle stuff. So let's talk about the rejection aspect of the job search. I know this is something that a lot of people deal with and it affects some people more than others. What do you tell clients who are dealing with the rejection, whether it's the job application or just a general sense of, I'm not getting anything back from this? 
Yeah, so rejection and risk go hand in hand. I encourage people to look at all the best moments in their life. And for me, that was moving to San Francisco and Seattle and New York. It was going off to college. It was leaving my full-time job to run this business full-time. It was proposing to my partner. It was now recently moving to Santa Barbara. All these great moments in my life were associated with huge amounts of risk. The more risky it was, the better the outcome. So I encourage you, try and think of a moment in your life where there wasn't some risk involved and you won't find a moment in your life where there was risk and a great moment and where they were correlated. So that's what I encourage people. Take the risk because I'm not opposite side of that risk is some really great moments. And if you want something amazing, recognize that that risk is worth it. Right. And that can help. And at the end of the day, rejection is just you getting over that fear. Right. It's about how we frame rejection itself. If we see it as like this big attack on who we are as a person, and if we let it get to us, which I know it did before in my life, I know it still does when I don't remind myself. But when we reframe it to something that's it's necessary in order for us to grow and achieve those great moments in life, like you're talking about, and that progress really it changes the game. So, yeah. And I, I find clients often are afraid of not just the rejection, but often they're afraid of the success as well as I shared my expertise as tech. So a lot of my clients are applying to Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Amazon, Boeing, whatever you name it, these really big companies. And they're afraid of, oh, what if I fail? But then on the flip side, they're also afraid of what if I succeed and land a job at this company and that I don't live up to it? Or what if I land a job at this company and I do live up to it? it and I have this amazing life. So I encourage my clients to really write out, here's what my life would look like in six months, write it in present tense and say, I work at Facebook. I'm a product marketing manager. Here's what my day looks like. Here's what my manager and colleagues are like. Here's what my salary is like. And it's so powerful to envision that and recognize, oh, this really is possible. And I just need to take some risk and overcome that fear of rejection to get there. I love that. It gives you something to just keep looking up towards or looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And when you ask yourself, like, was this rejection worth it? You'll end up saying yes, because you've defined clearly where you want to be. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. On to the next topic that often affects people when it comes to motivation and even stress levels, imposter syndrome. I know that a lot of job seekers, especially career changers who are looking to move towards something that they feel more called towards and something that they are you know, going to be better at eventually. In the moment, they feel like they just are incompetent or don't have the necessary skill set to make the leap. So do you have any advice for combating this age old problem? Yes. So people often assume with my clients, sometimes because they're executives, some of them are really big names or people recognize their names, their household names, their executives in Silicon Valley, and they still face imposter syndrome. I've had people report to Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, they still face imposter syndrome. It's something wow. a lot of people deal with. And my first tip is to consider befriending it. Instead of trying to get rid of imposter, ask myself, what if I became friends with imposter syndrome? What if imposter syndrome is me realizing that I am in the right place, that I am growing and I am pushing myself beyond my comfort zone? So instead of trying to push it away, say, hey, this is fun. I'm trying something new and exciting. Instead of being anxious, oh, this is excitement. Oh my gosh, I'm working towards something and I am in the right space right now. 
if I'm experiencing imposter syndrome. And then with that, to boost your confidence, a few things I like doing with clients is one, reflecting on all their career accomplishments. For some people, this is writing them all out and journaling. For other people, it's keeping a brag file in their email. For me, I'm a really visual person and my love language is words of affirmation. So I have a whiteboard in my office with note cards from all my clients. Um, oh, nice. People saying, I landed a job. So for me, looking at all of this, and anytime people feel imposter syndrome, going back to those words of affirmation you've received, those kind words people have said about you can be helpful. And then building upon that, keeping a daily accomplishment journal and saying, here's all the things I achieved. And then when you're feeling some imposter syndrome, look back and say, oh my gosh, I have pages and pages of pages of stuff I've achieved. Maybe I'm not an imposter. Maybe I'm meant to be at this table. Lastly, asking for help. That's a theme that comes up a lot with the people I work with, but recognizing you don't have to navigate this journey alone. And it's okay to ask for help with this imposter syndrome. And even one of my favorite activities, text a few friends and say, hey, what makes me fabulous? And get that <laughs> feedback. And I think, again, I am yeah. words of affirmation is my love language. So I'm a little biased. But getting that feedback and saying, oh, this is nice. Here's some great things about me. And using all of these can help build up that confidence muscle. Absolutely. One of my favorite things you have in your content that I've seen you put forward is just the theme to ask for help. And I think just for me, I've always believed that humility is such an important part of life and something that we have to remind ourselves over and over again. And I always have this, you know, predisposition to be like, no, I got it. It's all me. I don't need anyone's praises. I don't need to reach out to anyone. I don't need to, you know, I just need to focus on myself and getting it out there. But I think having the humility and realizing that we all need help, no matter where we are in our career, no matter if we're this executive who's been doing it for 20 years, or we're just starting off in our career, we are humans. And it is a good thing to ask for help and to get that support system going. So I really appreciate that message. And I don't think we can say it enough, Kyle. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with you if you ask for help. It's just saying, hey, here's someone who can support me and who might have more expertise in this area. I hired a financial advisor and an accountant in the last two years. And I was like, I'm really detailed. I'm really organized. I know how to research stuff. Yeah. I can do these taxes on my own. And yes, I can. It doesn't mean that you can't do something on your own. When you hire someone else, it's just this might help you do it more efficiently and better. And then as soon as I started working with an accountant, with a financial advisor, I was saving tens of thousands of dollars in taxes and building my retirement. And it was so powerful as soon as I asked for help to have that stress melt away and then see all these benefits come forward by working with someone else who just had more expertise in this area, who literally did this 40 hours a week when I did this maybe four hours a year. So it was yeah. just so helpful to reap those benefits. Absolutely. One of the things that I think plagues people, especially those with anxiety, I know I've dealt with a lot of this in the past, is just this need for certainty, this need to know what's going to happen next. And classic with job seekers, we just, a lot of us are in dark and we're in limbo and we feel like that sense of, you know, shaky ground almost and not knowing what these next three months are going to, to lead to. So do you have any advice or words of wisdom for those who just almost crave that certainty, but just aren't getting it right now. One thing you're never going to get the certainty. So I think that's important to just relinquish because even when you have a, there's not certainty because people thought 
they had really stable jobs. I had clients who had jobs for 10 or 20 years, the pandemic hit and there went their job. So even when you have a job, there's no stability. So I think it's important to just let go of that fact that there's no such thing as having complete control and work through that. And that takes time. It takes coaching, mentoring, therapy. And then second, recognize that asking for help is going to help here. And I realize I keep hitting on that point, but that can be super helpful. Asking someone to support you on that journey can be so, so helpful as you're navigating that and trying to wrestle with that on yourself and dealing with that uncertainty. I know for me, I've talked a lot about my anxiety and Mr. Peanut and working with my therapist to deal with this lack of control, me not having control over when clients come in, when a client gets back to you on an email, if I'm going to hear back from an executive, I reach out to that can be super helpful as you navigate that. And then third, I love having people set key performance indicators, those KPIs throughout their job search that they are in control of. So instead of trying to say, I want to land five interviews in the next month, or I want to hear back from 10 people, those are things that are outside of your control. So don't measure that, but instead focus on what you can really measure. How many people am I going to network with? How many people am I going to send applications out to? Only those things that you have direct control over, only measure your success using those and everything else recognize that's out of your control. Absolutely. Really good advice there. And just a couple of more follow-up questions before we conclude with your final thoughts here. One, what if I have stopped myself feeling motivated or stopped being motivated for my job search? And I've felt this before in life. I know motivation comes in waves. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm going to go get it. It's going to be the next thing ever. And then the next moment, we just feel like we just can't even open up our laptops just to, to work on the next thing. And two, just to follow up to that, Actually, I'll let you cover that first and then we'll yeah. on with that. The first thing I do is find out what motivates you and see what would fuel you. So trying to just push through it and dive into the job search isn't going to help. So see what will refuel you. Is it going to Starbucks? Is it mm. spending time with family? What's going to fuel you? And that can be really helpful when you're feeling down instead of just trying to push through those feelings. Instead, try and soothe yourself and practice that self-care that we talked about and really build out that self-care tool belt or toolkit. So you can say, okay, here's these things when I'm feeling down, I can turn to. It'll help lift me up and make me feel better. And then the second thing is developing a support system of people you can count on that when you are feeling down, say, Hey, mom, I'm feeling down. Can you help me? Or Hey, mom, I'm feeling down. I just want you to listen as I vent right now. And then having people specifically. Yes. Yes. And saying that as well. And my I mentioned mom as an example, because my mom's really good at that. We've developed that lingo to, hey, I need advice. Or, hey, I just want you to listen to me as I vent right now about this issue I'm dealing with. And then I've never said that before in my life. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) I've learned that with coaching clients, it's so helpful. They come to me a lot with problems. I need really quickly to know, okay, are you trying to vent? Or do you want me to actually give you counsel on this? And it helps with parents as well. Because my mom and I are really good at giving advice. (laughs) But sometimes people just want someone to sit on the bench with them and listen. And then second, having some accountability can be helpful, whether it's another job seeker and you text each other every day what you're doing, or with my coaching clients, a lot of them every week, they say, Kyle, here's what went well, here's what's not going well, and here's where I need support. So creating some accountability and a support system can be really critical because you don't have to go at it alone and recognize all these successful people that you see, whether it's athletes, it's politicians, it's celebrities, it's millionaires, billionaires, it's your friends. They're not going at it alone either. They have support systems and mentors and coaches. Even those top people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle, first of two follow-up or first of two wrap-up questions I have for you. 
One is just asking you to paint a positive picture. I love just visualizing. I love offering mm-hmm. hope. But in your vision for job seekers, what happens when symptoms of these issues are mitigated? You know, things like stress, anxiety, when we do take better care of ourselves, what will life look like? I think it's powerful when I've seen my clients really address that stress and they feel less stressed and less anxious and more confident. And that allows you to stop focusing on that little person in your head that's saying things, that little Mr. Peanut that's saying you're not good enough and instead allows you to focus on the actual work and allows you to show up at work authentically and allow people to experience all that fabulousness. And it takes time and effort. It's not something that happens overnight. And sometimes you move forward and move back along that journey, but recognize that it's possible to remove that stress and anxiety to lessen all that worry and show up more confidently at work. It just takes time practice and support from other people. Mm, I love that. Being patient, I think, is something Mm -hmm. that we need to emphasize because like, let's say we're working on, you know, that self-care and giving back to ourselves and refueling and tomorrow it ends up being great. But the following day, it just sucks. (laughs) You just want to, you know, crawl up in a hole and it just doesn't feel good. But just reminding ourselves that it does take time and it's not going to be just a not always, but it's not going to be just that quick fix. It does take some time and in many mm-hmm. cases. So being patient is really good. Mm-hmm. So what final words of encouragement do you have for job seekers who are especially struggling right now? I think this is probably unconventional, but I encourage people to ask themselves, how can you inject fun? into your job search. When people think of a job search, they don't often think of the word fun, but I encourage them, how can you inject some fun into your job search? And sometimes when I'm working on a task that isn't fun, I'm like, okay, can I watch Judge Judy right now? Or maybe my partner and I can work on this at the Starbucks at Disneyland during our next trip and I'll work on it. Or maybe after I write this paper, I'm going to go get myself a surprise at Target. Whatever it may be, ask yourself how you can inject fun into your job search and how you're going to reward yourself throughout the process and not just reward yourself yourself for landing the job, but saying, Hey, I sent out an application today. How am I going to celebrate? Okay. I landed a networking conversation. How am I going to celebrate? So I love asking my clients, how can we inject fun in this? And how are we going to celebrate along the way? I love it. It's so simple, but so effective. I Mm -hmm. love fun and who doesn't like that? So I think that's great. Kyle, you have been an inspiration for me. I know that I especially find this to be a topic of importance. And I think this episode is going to encourage me to continue encouraging other people to really take care of themselves and to reduce stress or manage stress, I should say, in whatever way they possibly can. So thank you for that. You've been an awesome guest for the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Perfect. How can people find out more about you and what are you up to? Yeah, so they can find out more about me on caffeineandkyle.com, my website, or on social media, Kyle Elliott with two L's and two T's. I spend lots of time on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. And then what I'm up to right now, actually, I love that we're talking about mental health. I'm in the third year of my doctoral program. So I am studying mental health storytelling and the influence on stigma. So that's what my dissertation is on. Oh my gosh, how relevant. That's awesome. Yes. And it impacts the experience of job seekers and employees so much. So I'm studying mine on college students, but the overlay between my work is it's so relevant. 
So relevant. That's awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming to the show. Your words were powerful and I can't thank you enough. Yes. Thank you for having me. This has been fabulous. Perfect. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 237 of the Career Warrior podcast. This is a topic that I think is so important for people. We need to be taking care of ourselves as job seekers. I can't emphasize that enough. So if you do feel like you are going through any sort of issues or dealing with symptoms of burnout, stress, any of that, I encourage you to do what Kyle said, which is ask for help and continue to take care of yourselves in whatever way you possibly can. Heck, listen to this episode again if it gives you the encouragement. We just want you better out there. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 237. Can't wait to see you. We'll be back next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.